Well, amen. I want you to take your Bibles, turn back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Um, let me just kindly real quickly remind you of the truth we looked at this morning in, um, in verses number 3 through 11. Um, we found out that Hezekiah, um, the first thing um, that was on his mind when he became king was to restore uh, worship uh, to the nation of Israel, or restore, if you will, obedience to the nation of Israel. And um, even though the Assyrians had threatened him, and even though the Assyrians um, was very much gonna, wanting to come against Israel, um, his, his mindset was not on protecting Israel. His mindset was on obeying God. And he knew if they obeyed God, he knew the protection would be just an outflow of what God would do. And so he challenged the priests to cleanse themselves and then to cleanse the temple and to remove all the idolatrous things that his father Ahaz had put in the temple and so that worship, as God designed it, could be restored to the nation of Israel. Now, when we come to verse 12, uh, we find out the priest's response to all this because it's one thing to be exhorted about these truths. It's another thing about to respond properly to the truth. And so what we find in verse 12 uh, through verse 19 is the priest's response uh, to uh, this exhortation by Hezekiah. So if you would please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word as we begin reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, And the Levites arose, and then it names them. Okay. Now let me tell you this, there's, there's ten families listed here. Uh, seven families are of the, the priesthood that deal with the ordinances of the priesthood. Three of the families are of the priesthood that deal with the music in the temple. And so this is important, okay? Now, I'm going to butcher these, but I'm going to name them, amen? All right, it says, Then the Levites arose, uh, Mahath, the son of Amasiah, and Joel, the son of Azariah, the sons of the Kohathites, and the son of Moriah, Kish, the son of Abedi, and Azari, the son of Jehaliel, and of the Gershonites, Joah, the son of Zemah, and Eden, the son of Joah, and the sons of Elizaphan, and Simri, and Jeel, and the sons of Asheth, and Zechariah, and Metaniah, and the sons of Heman, and Jehiel, and Samiah, and the sons of Jaduthion, and Samira and Uziel. Praise the Lord. <laughs> By the way, I told Mike, in the, we had a meeting a minute ago, I told Mike, I said, now Mike, I want you to do me a favor. Uh, I'm going to ask you to read our text tonight. And then I told him what it was. He looked at it, he said, no, I'm not doing it. Levites <laughs> <laughs> and all their sons. Levites and all their sons. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanliness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out abroad into the brook of Kidron. Let's pray. Father... I just pray you would use this text in our hearts and our lives tonight for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Well, as we look at this text, what we're going to find is 
This morning we saw the exhortation to uh, cleanse ourselves or to sanctify ourselves that we can truly be vessels that worship the Lord. And you and I need to understand exactly why that is so important as we talked about this morning. Because out of your worship comes your service, and out of your service, what depicts if your service truly is worship is if you're in right fellowship and right relationship with the Lord. And so this is why Hezekiah put this as a priority of his kingship. Now, what we find here is we find the response of the priest in what they have now received of Hezekiah. Now look with me at verse 12 through 14 and you see the response to consecration. The response to consecration. The first words you need to see here in verse 12, then the Levites arose. Now here's why this is so important. Because what it talks about, it talks about that what Hezekiah had to say to them. Now we know how it was urgent in Hezekiah's heart, but now what we find out is this was something urgent in the priest's heart. It says they immediately arose. And so what it sees is, listen, when God speaks, when God gives us a command, it requires an urgent response. Now, one of the things that takes place when we go through these times where we're allowing the Lord, as we talked about this morning, to repair the doors in our life or uh, to get us back to the place where we don't turn our heads and all those truths we looked at this morning, we need to understand that as God gives us command, as God gives us direction, it's an urgent response that's needed. It's not something that we are to shuck off or put off or delay or set aside. It's something in which we are immediately to obey. Now you say, well, preacher, why can't I do it later on? Because I want to promise you two things. The longer you put it off, the more you'll question it. And the more you question it, the probably you'll forget it. And when you forget it, you probably won't do it. You see, you got to deal with things as God deals with you. And that's one of the things that... Uh, I want to tell you, the greatest tool Satan will throw your way is procrastination. Because there's so many things in our lives that we think, well, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that when I get home. There, there's, listen, there, there's times. I mean, there's been times where I've been making a visit. And, and something will be said, and God just pricks my heart. And, and right in the middle of a visit, visiting people, and, and God starts pricking my heart. I want to tell you something. Even as I'm making a visit many times, even as I'm talking to folks sometimes, in my heart I am bringing this before the Lord. Because if you don't deal with it immediately, I promise you, you probably won't deal with it at all. Now the conviction of the Lord will continue, but the more it continues, the more you excuse it away. And so the picture we have here is that this response is, requires an urgent, urgent response. Now, if, if worship is, the, is of the priority that we talked about this morning, how many of you agree today that if it's that urgent that we be people that worship, it's that urgent that we be people that allow God to sift out anything in us that's keeping us from worshiping properly. And, and this is what took place here. But notice this, it only required an urgent response, it required a unified response. Now, as we listed those families, those families would make up all of the Levitical priesthood. 
As I said, there were seven, uh, two of each of the seven families that would deal with the priestly duties, and me- meaning the, the holy place and those type things. And then there was three families, two of each of those three families, that deal with the music in the worship. Now, here's the reality. The point I want you to see is this. It took a unified response. Because here's the thing. When you and I are dealing with these things in our life, the basis of what God's able to do is going to be on the basis of how we have responded to God. Now listen, I can respond personally to God in obedience. You can respond personally to God in obedience. And that allows you and me to walk in true worship unto the Lord. But still, if we all don't respond personally, is still going to interfere with what God's going to do as a body. Now, let me tell you something, folks. Now, listen to me. Liberty, listen to me. I know this is not taught in America today, and it's sad that it's not. But this church family is God's gift to each person, you, me, as an extension of your physical family. We tend to think that the church family is separate from our physical family. That is a lie. The church family, as God designed it, is to always be an extension of your physical family. Matter of fact, I would say this. If you read the scriptures closely, God lifts the church family even above your physical family in many ways. What does it say? It says unless you... Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Unless you hate your father, mother, brother, sister, you can have no part with me. So what is he saying there? It's not talking about we're literally to hate our, mother, our father, brother, brother, sister. What it's saying is that we are to love him supremely over even our immediate families. And if we're walking in proper worship, our family, physical family, will not be left out. And our church family will not be left out. Now, what we tend to do is we put our physical families over our church families. But God never intended that to be. God intended us to be one body, one family together. And there to be extensions of each other. Now, why this is important is this. Because God required in this response to be a unified response of all of the Levites. They were to be unified in what they did and how they obeyed God. And so listen, it doesn't take much for the Lord um, to not be able to do what he wants to do. And so you and I must be unified in our response. Now this is the response to consecration. But I want you to see secondly the revelation of consecration. Look at verse 15. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves. So now they brought the rest of the priesthood in. We have the representatives of the the ten families. And now they brought the rest of the priesthood in. And watch what it says. And they sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. So what is the revelation here in the consecration? Well, you have the commandment in obedience. So what was the basis of what they were going to do and how they were going to do it? Well, the word of the king that came by the word of the Lord. 
So in other words, it was a revelation that Hezekiah gave them. But listen, it wasn't Hezekiah. It was God that gave the word through Hezekiah. And they were obeying the word of the king, yes. But they were obeying essentially the word of the Lord. You see, this was a commandment from God. And the commandment was not simply to cleanse yourself and cleanse the temple. The commandment we know, even though it doesn't give us the details, we know is exactly how and the way that it was to be done. In other words, God had a specific way in which the priests were to cleanse themselves and a specific way in which the temple was to be cleansed. And if you didn't do it by God's design that God saw it as disobedience. Now, here's the reality, okay? Now, I want you all to listen to what I'm about to say. A lot of times, we can know the will of God. But then we come up with our own way of accomplishing the will of God. And can I tell you, if you try to do God's will your way, no matter how zealous you are to achieve it, you're not going to achieve it at all. See, God has a way in which to accomplish his will. Now, what we've created in America is this. We've created in America all these programs that come down the pike, and we, we see what God used a program in one church, and we say, well, it worked for them, let it work in us. But here's the problem. God may not be in that for this church. You see, there's a way in which we're to respond when we obey God. Now, here's the picture. The picture here is that the Levitical priesthood here, not only did they rise immediately in urgent response and in unified response, but by the revelation of God, they were willing to obey God the way God said to do it. And this is so important for us to understand. You know, this goes to every aspect of our life, folks. I mean, listen. A lot of times people look at different areas of their life where they're trying to get right with the Lord in. Uh, let, let me just throw out a couple, for example. Let's say unforgiveness. And, and we think, well, as long as I've said in my heart, I'm, I've, I've forgiven, I've forgiven. Well, can I tell you, if you're out of sorts with somebody, you've got to go seek reconciliation. Okay? And so, so if you have someone that has all against you, you know, we, here's what we think. Well, they've got all against me. I'll just wait and let them make its first step. Well, well, how Christian is that? Let me ask you a question. Aren't you glad God didn't allow you to take the first step to him? See, the picture is you go to them. Now you say, well, they, they're not going to respond good. Well, that's between them and the Lord. That's not up to you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, listen, we could use any area of our lives as an example. I mean, uh, we can use areas where somebody has, has uh, uh, done something or, 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 or whatever it may be. But the principle of this is this. God has a way in which we're to obey him. And, and can I tell you something? He's really not made it a secret at all. It's just the problem is we don't open the Word and study it and find out what He says about it. I promise you there's not one area of your life that's not dealt with in this Word. Either in principle 
or in verse. And so you and I are to, as we go through a process which we're allowing the Lord to fix the doors in our life, we're to go through this process in a biblical fashion, in a biblical manner. For instance, if it's a public sin, it's to be dealt with publicly. Y'all say amen. If it's a private sin, it's to be dealt with privately. So in other words, if I as a pastor went out and done something publicly that did damage to the testimony of this church, I can't get away with just saying, Lord, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? I have to come before this church first and say, would you forgive me? Then I go to the Lord. You see, there's a way in which God has us to deal with these things. And, and so this is the principle here, that they obeyed God according to the commandment of the Lord. Now, let me show you the opposite of this. Y'all remember back in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I'm not going to read the verses. I put them on your outline, but I won't read them because y'all will remember this. But 2 Samuel chapter 6, you remember that they were bringing the ark back. And how many agree God had a, a, a specific design how that ark was to be brought back? All right, did they, did they have the right idea about getting the will of God as far as getting the ark back to Jerusalem? Yes. But did they do it God's way? No. So what ended up happening? Well, it cost Uga his life. Y'all remember? I mean, because they were carrying the ark the way God said not to carry it. And it, if you will, they hit a pothole and it started coming off and he stuck his hand out to hold it. And when he stuck his hand out to hold it up, he fell dead. You see, it's just the principle of doing it God's way. And this is what was so essential uh, for these Levites to do. Now, I'm just going to make this statement. We're going to go on. Listen, Liberty. My heart and desire. Now, is there times that we're going to miss the Lord? We are. There is. But my heart's desire is everything we do is first initiated by God, directed by God, governed by God, controlled by God, and it's for the glory of God. And I promise you, if we walk in those truths, we will have the favor of God upon our ministries. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, it's so important we understand that. Well, not only do you see in this revelation of consecration, you see the commandment in obedience, the care of obedience. So watch what it says here in verse 15. In verse 15 it says, And when they gathered the brethren together and sanctified themselves. In other words, they obeyed God in doing what God said to do first, which is what? Deal with themselves, cleanse their own selves before they began to tackle the house of God. And so, so the care was this, that they were careful, number one, to deal with what was in their life before they dealt with what was in the house of the Lord. You know, a lot of times people have all these ideas of what's best for the church, but the problem is they're not willing to do what's best for them. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and, and so the thing is, what we have to be careful about and the care that we ought to have is this, that first I deal with what's in my life before I even begin to try to deal in what's in everything else. 
Because listen, you can't be a vessel used for God to purify other things if you're not pure yourself. And so it begins with us. So this kind of goes back to this morning a little bit, but listen to me, Liberty, okay? What, 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 I'm, what I'm trying to do in my life and what I'm asking us to do in our life is let God sift out anything that's hindering our worship. Anything. And then when we do that, can I tell you, God will sift out the rest of it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, there has to be a care here. That, that, that's something that is very dear to us. But notice verse 16. I want you to see the cooperation in obedience. Now watch this. And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanliness that was found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. Now what is this saying? Well, remember, who could really go into the holy place? Only those that had been set aside by God to be of the upper echelon of the priesthood. There were other priests that couldn't go into the holy place. They could only stay in the outer court and deal with the ministries in the outer court. And so here's what happened. They stayed true to what God's design was and only those that God had set aside that could go into the holy place went in the holy place. They brought out those things that were defined filing in the holy place or the filth of the holy place they brought it out to the outer court and then the other levite priest took it from the outer court and took it to the brook of the kidron in other words they had to work together and they had to work in cooperation together and partnership together to what accomplish a task that only god had set them apart to do here's what obedience requires when it comes to a church family it requires every single person in that family. Now, what does it mean by the brook of the Kidron? Well, the Kidron Valley, folks, went to Israel, Mount of Olives, to Jerusalem. What did you have to go through? What was in the Kidron Valley? Gehenna. What was in Gehenna? It's a place where the fire dieth not and the worm dieth not. What, was it, what took place in Gehenna? That's where they threw the thieves and the malefactors that were crucified. That's where they dumped the garbage. Now, here's the picture. Now, how many agree if you're dealing with garbage, it's not something you're going to stand up and say, yippee! How many agree sometimes when you're dealing with these things, you've got to deal with things you don't want to deal with? Not pleasant to deal with. But here's the picture. Where did all these things that had nothing to do with worship of the Lord belong? In the garbage dump. And so, notice the cooperation here. One part of the priesthood would go in the holy place, jerk out the the things that Ahaz had put in there that was given to idol worship and all the filth that was in there, they would bring them out, to those idolatrous things, they would put them in the outer court, the rest of the priesthood would join bands with them, grab those things, take them out to the garbage dump, and listen, together they cleanse the temple. Liberty, listen to me. There's no ministry God ever calls this church to if he don't already know that he has plenty of vessels to accomplish that ministry. But it takes all of us. 
Now, how many agree from a fleshly perspective? Some of, this pre, some of these priests could have very easily said, well, you know, you know I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a hand. Y'all, y'all have heard the old story about how, how Baptists get a cart up a hill, haven't you? Y'all ain't heard that story? Okay. Here's how, here's how Baptists get a cart up the hill. You have 100 Baptists that are trying to get a cart up the hill. Okay? You have, uh, you have 10 that's pushing the cart. You have 50 on the top of the hill cheering them on. And you have the rest in the cart complaining about the ride. but what happens if we all got on board see there's a cooperation when it comes to obedience you know why it takes cooperation because what God called one of you to he didn't call the other one to That's the reason the Bible uses this terminology in Corinthians. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are arms. Some of us are ears. But what happens when you take a hand away or an arm away or a leg away? The body can still function. But the body can't function in full capacity to what it was intended to function. And you say, well, preacher, does that include all of us? It does. You say, well, how do I know what to do? Can I give you some advice? Ask the Lord. But now here's here's the sidebar of this. If you ask him, be careful. He'll answer it. You see, when you ask, you've got to expect. And when you ask, you've got to anticipate. But here's the, here's the key to it all. I don't know why I got on this, but the Lord's put me on it, so I'm just going to go down it. Y'all say amen. But here's, here's the key to it all. If you ask, you ought to already be surrendered to the answer before you ever ask. In other words, you don't ask and you have in your mind, well... You know, Lord, if you, if you ask this of me, I'll be glad to do it. But don't ask this of me. See, that's not obedience. Obedience is you asking and saying, Lord, whatever you ask of me, I'll obey. See, it took cooperation. It, it took all of, 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 of the priesthood to, to accomplish this. Well, notice the commitment to this. Look at verse 17. Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify, and the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord, and they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and then the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. So how long did they give themselves to it? Sixteen continuous days. Nonstop. Now here, here would be our thing. Our thing would be... Um, well, 
you know, listen, I, I'm willing to give myself to this if, if, as long as it fits into my schedule. Well, can I tell you, God's obedience to God overrides your schedules. I mean, I, listen, I had to learn this as a pastor a long, long time ago. I, I mean, I used, to, I used to sit down during the, at the first of the week, and I'd make a schedule of what I was going to do each day and how I was going to do it, and if I was going to take a day off, what day I would take off. And, and I realized after my first year in ministry, that was absolutely impossible. Because one phone call and it changed everything. And so people, pastors ask me all the time, what day you take off? I say, whatever day God will let me. And you, you say, well, you don't have a set day? I don't. You, you say, why? Because I don't know. Listen, last week I didn't even take a day off. Because, see, obedience to God overrides my schedule. Now, am I perfect in this? Absolutely not. Sometimes I let my schedule get in the way of obedience. You're looking at me like, you do that? I do sometimes. But guys, listen. The picture here is that the commitment to obedience is that you accomplish what God says to do, and you don't stop until you do. That's what it's saying here. Now, notice the bottom of verse uh, 17, the completeness in the obedience. It says, in the 16th day of the month, they made an end. What does that mean? They completed it. So what did they complete? Everything God said to do. Listen to me. Don't leave obedience until it's finished. Obey to the end. Obey completely. Obey fully. Don't half obey. If you half obey, you've not obeyed at all. So, so well, anyway, I, I'm just going to go on. All right, let's look, let's look at the third thing and the last thing tonight, the report of consecration. Look at verse 18. Notice what it says. It says, then they went to Hezekiah the king and said, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offerings with all the vessels thereof and showbread table and all the vessels thereof. Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in the transgression have we prepared and sanctified. In other words, they had to make some new ones. And behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. This is the report. Now watch this. Notice the achievement seen in the report. They go before the king. Do they go before the king in trepidation or in confidence? Confidence. Why? Because they know they finished everything God told them to do. So, so listen, here's the great achievement of obedience. Confidence before the Lord, before your king. Let me ask you a question today. If God the Father, right here as we're sitting here, and I'm standing here, God the Father says to God the Son, Son, go get your children. Could you stand with confidence before the Lord, knowing that you've achieved everything He's asked you to do? 
Now, here's the second question. If not, does it bother you? Here's the third question. Then why don't you do something about it? Because this leads to the second thing. Why did they go to King? Uh, why did they go to the King anyway? Why did they go to Hezekiah anyway and give a report? Because here's the reason. All right, who gave him the command? The king did. Where'd the command get the, king, the, the command? The Lord gave it to him. So why did they go back to the king? Because not only had they achieved what God said to do, but they were accountable for what they were to do. You see, this is the accountability seen in the report. So they went to the king and they said to the king, listen, king, everything the Lord told you to tell us, we've done it. We've obeyed. We've completed the task. We've done everything you've asked us to do. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it glorious when you are living in a day where you know, as far as you know, that you've obeyed God in every area that he showed you to obey? Isn't that peace to know you've done that? I mean, to know that I've obeyed God as much as I know. Now, listen, we all have sins of ignorance. If you think you're sinless perfect, you're you're blind. Y'all just say amen. We all have sins of ignorance. But listen, as far as we know, we've obeyed God in whatever God's told us to do. How many of you agree? You walk around in confidence and absolute assurance that you have right fellowship with God. And how many of you agree that that fellowship with God becomes rich and intimate and, and absolutely begins to explode in your life? That's what we ought to seek every day of our life. To have confidence before Him. You say, well, I'm not standing before Him. Oh, no, he's in you. So you're always before him. Well, let me show you one last thing, the attitude seen in the report. Now, there's something found in this, in this, in this passage that's kind of obscure. But, boy, it's rich. All right, so, so go back with me to verse 17 just a minute. All right, if you go back, look what it says. It says in verse, 16, or verse 17, it says, And in the 16th day of the first month, they made an end. Now, remember what I said to you this morning? Why was it the first month? Because it was the month of Nisan, the first month of the Jewish calendar. What was on the first month? Do you all remember? Starts with a P. Passover. All right, so, so how many agree? They were preparing to get the things ready to worship so they could take the Passover as obedience to God. Now, here's, here's the reality. The reality is that I want you to see that in Numbers chapter 9, verse 1 through 11, God said the Passover was to be taken on the 14th day of the first month. They didn't finish the temple to the 16th day of the first month. And you say, why is that important? Because how easy would it have been to have done all they could have done for the first 13 days and said, all right, let's step back. Let's let's take the Passover, and then we'll finish it after we take the Passover. Oh, no, listen, that wouldn't have been acceptable before God. So what they do? They finish the work, and when they finish the work, they delayed the Passover for two days. You find out in chapter 30 that then they took of the Passover. Why? Because the temple was clean they were clean and now they were ready to celebrate and worship God so what do you say I'm saying God accepted it even though it was two days late 
Because they obeyed God first. Can I tell you the truth? God's never in a hurry. God asks for obedience. And when we obey and we worship Him, then what He calls us to do, He'll enable us to do. And it'll always be pleasing to Him. And sometimes, God has to do a deep work to get us there. Let me give you some examples. How many of you agree from before the foundation of the world, God knew He was going to use Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt? Do you all agree with that? Say amen. All right. So Israel's in Egypt. What did God have to do in Moses? He had to send him behind the mountain for 40 years. Why? He wasn't ready. How many agree it was God's desire and will and way for Jonah to go and tell Nineveh that God was going to destroy him, knowing God knew that they were going to repent and dust off in ashes, even though he didn't tell Jonah that? Was Jonah ready? No. So what did God do? God put him in the belly of a fish. When he got out of the fish, was he ready? Was he happy? But was he ready? How many of you agree God knew before there ever was a Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament that David from the foundation of the world was going to be king's Israel, or the king of Israel, and that he was going to be the lineage through which Christ would not only come, but come and rule and reign. But what did God have to do first? Well, first he had to get Israel ready. You say, what do you mean he had to get Israel ready? Well, they wanted Saul to be their king. God said, Saul's not to be your king, I'm your king. I don't care, we want a king like the other nations. God, what do you want me to do? Let them have what they want. So I can get them ready. How many agree after Saul's exploits, they wish they'd never had Saul as king? But then he had to get David ready. So Samuel went in the house of Jesse and said, Woo! Well, that eldest son of yours, head and shoulders above all your other sons. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. God said, no, he's not the man. You see, the man I've chosen, he's in the place of preparation. Where do I find him at? Oh, he's in a shepherd's field because he's going to lead my sheep. God's got to get her ready. And when God gets us ready, then we can obey. And when we obey, it's a sweet-smelling savor of Christ and worship. Because God, we let God do His work first. So here's your invitation.
How many of y'all tonight, just be honest, would be willing to say tonight, Lord, however you want to use me, here I am. And Lord, it don't matter what it is. Don't matter if I'm gifted at it or not gifted at it. When God called me to preach, I couldn't, I, I, was, I was literally shaking in fear to stand before people. It's the reason when I told Lisa God's called me to preach, she laughed at me. Oh, don't get mad at her. She, she had a right to because she knew what I was like talking in front of people. You would have laughed too. It's kind of like when God said to Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child and Sarah's 90 and Abraham's 100. You do know why they called him Isaac, don't you? Because the word means laughter. See, God don't work the way we want him to work. So I'm just going to make this invitation. It's going to be real simple. Here, here's a simple invitation. Lord, whatever you want me to do, here I am. Nothing more, nothing less. God, whatever you want me to do, here I am. I just want to be used by you. I just want to be used by you. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. Now here's the part, last part of that prayer. Okay, are you with me? So show me. You see, you say first, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Then you ask, show me. Don't ask, show me until, if you've got barriers around it. Whatever, whatever, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Father, have your will in your way in this invitation in Jesus' name. And all God's children said...